Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, over a month ago, we started this series called Life Choices. The fact is, life is filled with choices. (laughs) And some of these choices determine the direction where we're going to go in our life. We're kind of exploring the book of Proverbs. We're kind of diving into it and and piece by piece, different verses where we're looking at it, trying to figure out what does it have to say to me. Now, the book of Proverbs is is written by a man that, even if he didn't go to church, you, you probably have heard his name. His name is Solomon. And the Bible calls him the wisest man who ever lived. If Solomon was alive today, guaranteed there would be companies that would be hiring him as a consultant for their company. He'd be getting paid tens of thousands of dollars for every speech that he gave and insights. Well, what we have here, we have a lifetime of learning from the wisest man who ever lived recorded for us right here. Now, some have said... Why study such an ancient book? It's so old. It's kind of outdated. It's 3,000 years ago that that book was written. But we've said this multiple times. If you read it with fresh eyes again, it feels like it was written in October of 2020. That's how relevant, how practical it is to our everyday uh, life. You know, this week I uh, I stumbled across a website called Smarter Every Day. It's... um, I uh, can't think of his name right now. Uh, Dustin, um, he's a rocket engineer, and he posts these videos, and, and I was watching it, and it's true. Like, every time I would go back there, was, I felt like I was getting smarter because I was learning something. Well, that's the way with Proverbs. Every time I open up the book, I learn something new. I learn something new about myself. I learn something new about who God is. It is a fascinating book that we have chosen to to dive into in this season. I have a question. How many of you have a pet peeve? You know, something that maybe, you know, just kind of like um, pushes your button, kind of irritates you a little. I have a lot of them. You know, one of my pet peeves, if if this is you, I'm not, you don't have to tell me this, but... There's something about going to Walmart or Superstore or any store and people leave their shopping carts in the parking spots. I don't know why. Something rises up inside of me. I go to pull in and I'm like, oh, there's a cart there. Sometimes that kind of, you know, will irritate me a a little bit. But those those are pet peeves. You know, maybe it frustrates you. But then there's this next level. I'm referring to Anger. Anger. Some of you have gotten angry at me. Some of you gotten angry at me because maybe something that I, I said, or something that I did, or something that I didn't do. You kind of got angry. I hate to say it, but the truth is I've gotten angry sometimes at you <laughs> as well. It happens. And when I was thinking about that, I, I thought of this. You probably have heard this. To dwell above with those we love, well, that will be glory. To dwell below with those we know, well, that's another story, right? Sometimes we can get underneath each other's skin. And some anger, we we kind of, 
we, we call it righteous anger, and, and, and rightfully so. Like, maybe there's some people here that they get really angry over racism. Like, when you see it on display, everything in your body just, I hate it. And you, you want to do something um, with it. Or, or, or maybe you see some, another life that's been devoured because of addiction. Maybe somebody in your family has been devoured by addiction. And everything inside, you just get angry at those who maybe are pushing it out on the street and, and you've had a loved one who got devoured maybe by drugs. And so you, you get angry uh, about addictions. Or, or maybe for you it's um, the unborn. You know, abortion or sex trafficking. Or, you know, you think, I, I get upset when the world doesn't have clean water or greed or hunger or rape. Like there's those things that really get you angry. And that anger wants you to kind of change, make a change in this world. But then there's this other kind of anger. It kind of cripples us. It causes us to say things and do things that we oftentimes later regret. And the book of Proverbs deals with this subject of anger over and over and over and over again. I think Solomon must have witnessed in his lifetime it on display and, and have written some things down about it. One of the verses that Solomon wrote said, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Anyone here this morning struggling with anger? Some of us, by the way, are very good at hiding it, right? We have it bottled up inside, but we put on a smile and we pretend everything is a-okay. Do you know anyone struggling with anger? If you don't know anyone struggling with anger, then you, you're never on social media. Because all you have to do is flip through Facebook or your Twitter feed or your um, Instagram account or TikTok. There's plenty of examples of people who are angry, angry over uh, Trump or Trudeau or protests or riots or wearing masks or not wearing masks or restrictions or shutdowns or Black Lives Matters or kneeling at national anthems or fake news or conspiracy theories or injustice, abortion, gender equality, health care. The list goes on and on and on and on for reasons people get angry. People get angry at the office. People get angry in the bedroom. People get angry in their kitchens, people get angry at church. People get angry at family functions. I was at a, I was at a family funeral. Literally, this happened. One person got mad at another person in the middle of the funeral and punched them in the face so hard they called the police. People get angry everywhere. It's nothing new. In fact, since the beginning of time, the very first family the Bible talks about, Adam and Eve, remember that. This, this loving family, a mom and dad, two boys, Cain and Abel. Cain gets so angry at his brother. And of course, the story, we read the story and he kills his brother. He murders his own brother because of anger. You think of um, prophets of God who got angry. I think of Jonah, angry at God. No, God, I am not going where you told me to go. I will not go to Nineveh. I, I don't like the idea that you're even willing to give those people a second chance. Angry. And what's so interesting about anger, you don't have to teach anybody to get angry. So the question that I want to ask, anyone here this morning struggling with anger? Because, boy, the Bible talks a lot about it. Did you notice that 
more than any other time in history, it seems like everything is politicized. Like everything, opening schools, closing schools, opening churches, closing churches, singing at church, not singing at church, everything, it's become so political. And, and, and something rises up inside of us. And in the past, I know I have, we probably all have, where we've allowed anger to control our actions. It's not a good idea, obviously. And I've had a tendency to say things or do things that don't always produce good things in my life. Thing is, I believe when we let anger build up in our hearts, we give the enemy a win. So here's the question. Is anyone here struggling, maybe online, struggling with anger? Because when those anger thoughts get deposited in our hearts, it, it causes us to act in ways certainly not who we would normally act like. And that's why Proverbs says again, Guard your heart above all else, for it will determine the course of your life. So guard your heart. We're all prone to fall in this trap of anger, but guard your heart. Because the choices you make will determine the course of your life. So it's it's important that we're constantly protecting our hearts because the enemy loves to set up traps for us. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Solomon also wrote another book called Ecclesiastes, and he wrote this, control your temper, for anger labels you as a fool. Anyone struggling here with anger this morning? There's an example in the Bible where anger rose up in somebody and it destroyed his life. And the thing is, I think at first nobody really caught it. Like no one really noticed it. It's actually found, the story is found in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're first introduced to a man named Ahithophel. Ahithophel is the, the counselor to King David. Uh, he's the guy that King David counts on this guy. He goes for him for wisdom. They've served together for years and years and years. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 23, describes him like this. Now, in those days, the advice of Ahithophel gave was like that of one who inquires of God. Imagine. They're saying the advice that he would give out was like listening to the voice of God. This is David's right-hand man. Uh, they've been serving together for years. Now, we know the story of David. We, we know lots of things about him. And, of course, we know the story where David is up on his rooftop overlooking all the townhouse development, the condos, while his men are out to war. And the Bible tells us he saw a beautiful woman, not sunbathing, but bathing. And so what does he do? His curiosity wants to meet this lady and so sends a courier fax over to the lady and says, hey, would you like to come for dinner? She comes over for dinner. And in the story that we know, one thing led to another and all of a sudden there's a one night stand. 
David the next morning sends her back to the home, thinks everything's okay. Washes his hands clear. A little bit of his satisfaction, but then there's a note that comes back, I don't know, a month later, two months later, I don't know. But the dreaded one night stand note that says, I'm pregnant. Now what are you gonna do? So a lot of us know the story. Uriah was her husband, who's fighting, by the way, out on the battlefield, defending the king. He's considered one of his loyal soldiers, top-notch soldiers. And, and we're to send out to send Uriah home. To, he, he makes up an excuse. Hey, I'd like to know what's happening out on the battlefield. And so Uriah comes home, gives a report to the king. And David says, listen, thank you so much for the report. Uh, just go spend the night with your wife, enjoy the evening, and then go back to battle tomorrow. And David thought he had his sin covered. Except Uriah went to the house and said, how can I, my, my colleagues, my comrades, their, their life is on the line out on the battlefield. I'm not, I, I can't go in and enjoy the pleasures of my wife. No, I'm not doing it. So he says he slept outside. Well, the next day, of course, David finds out he's quite angry about this. Like, oh my goodness, I thought I covered that up. And so he invites Uriah again. Only this time he gets Uriah drunk because if you're drunk, he won't have, you know, maybe that same uh, inhibition to go into his wife. And so he gets him drunk and then sends him home. And guess what? He doesn't go in with his wife. So David's got to come up with another plan to cover his tracks. And so he decides he'll send Uriah back with a message to the commander. Hey, at the heat of the battle, put Uriah at the front line. At the very heat of it, everyone pull back so Uriah's life will be taken, okay? That's David, by the way, who's described as a man who had a heart after God. That's even the kind of stuff that he was involved in. So this is Ahithophel now. Remember, he's observed all this. When he gives wisdom, it's almost as though people are hearing from God. So one chapter later, one to the exact verse, it says... Yeah, 1723. When Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and set out for his house in his hometown. He put his house in order and then hanged himself. Okay. That makes no sense at all. You're telling me there's this godly man named Ahithophel who when he speaks is like hearing from God. One chapter later, he's hanging himself? That doesn't even make sense. How is that even possible? Well, when you dig into the story a little bit deeper, they discover Bathsheba, you know, the one that David had the affair with? Well, that's Ahithophel's granddaughter. Now, I'm telling you, I feel like there's some men out here. If your granddaughter was taken advantage of by some man in power and position it would be something that would rage up inside of you as well. And so Ahithophel, who has been loyal to David for so many years, goes and joins the, the side of David's enemy, which was his son. Absalom was trying to usurp his father's throne, was trying to kick his dad out so he could become the king. And so Ahithophel joins that side. Remember, his, his insight, his wisdom is, is like hearing from God. And so Ahithophel gives Absalom this advice to go do this. and You'll be able to take over your throne. And if he had done what Ahithophel had told him to do, 
he'd be the king. But he started asking all his other counselors, and the other counselors went against what Ahithophel said. And so when that happened, Ahithophel realized, life is over for me. I'll get my house in order. And he hung himself. I think there was just, there was time where anger just began to build up and it built up and it built up and it devoured his life. And that's the true truth for us too. When we let anger fester and begin to boil inside of us, especially long time, it can send us on a course of life where we never thought we'd expect to see ourselves. So what do you do when things happen to you that you do not expect? Ahithophel never expected the man that he served would take advantage of his own family, of Ahithophel's family. So what do you do? And by the way, unexpected things in our life do creep up, creep up on a regular basis. This is not an unusual situation. All of us know what it is when things unexpectedly just are thrown onto our lap. And we've got to decide what we're going to do, how we're going to respond. Because the fact is, I don't think God ever intends for any of us to have the perfect, quiet, easy life. I don't think it's this plan. In fact, the more pain that someone has in their life, I think there's a deeper longing for heaven. The fact is, we're not home yet, right? We're not home. We're just passing through. There will be one day when everything is perfect. But I do believe that's why sometimes things that come in our life is because there's this desire that God plants in our hearts that one day there's a better day coming. A few years ago when I had the opportunity to go to Haiti on a mission trip, which is one of the poorest countries in the world, I actually was overwhelmed in the area of Haiti. We were at just how poor it was. We're at this church, and, and they're singing with everything that's inside of them. I said to the missionary, why are people singing with such joy? They have nothing. He goes, Donald, because they know there's a better day coming. This is not their home. There's a better day waiting for them. And I understand we're all sinners, and we respond as sinners when people sin against us. That's the truth. And so it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. That's why Solomon says, be on your guard. Be on your guard. Because it can take you down. It can wipe out your life. You made all these great wise choices, but then anger can all of a sudden set you on a path that takes you somewhere where you never dreamed you'd ever find yourself. Be on guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. I think that's what the Bible says. And, and everything, do it in love. Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. But a quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. First thing, it's wise. It's wise to slow down and think before we speak or respond. 
And I understand there's a lot of pressure for us to respond quickly, hastily, you know, to social media. Uh, we we got to respond quickly to Black Lives Matter or masks or abortions or, or coronavirus or restrictions or shutdown. We, we got to say something now. And sometimes we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. I want to tell you, the world is so divided right now. And, and you've seen it even creep into the church where the church gets divided on so many issues. Do you know what this world needs? A divided world needs a united church. United around the mission. Our mission here is to connect people to Jesus. That's the most important thing that should be on our list. And when we focus around the mission, when we get united around the mission, things, things happen, things change. And if there was ever a day the world was so divided, it's now and desperately in need of a united church on mission. And that's what God's called us to do. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no...